Good morning, everyone. Rise and shine. Let's sing. of America and, and to, to the republic, republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. You may be seated. Colossians 2.8 says, be careful that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit based on human tradition based on the elements of the world rather than Christ, amen to that. Um, I, I think before we pray, what we should do is, is we have to be careful as a nation that we have, uh, it almost seems like people look at a Memorial Day weekend, they say, happy holiday, it's your holiday weekend, or hey, it's the start of the summer, now you can, you can travel to get to where you wanna be, and we have to be really careful that Memorial Day weekend is not simply a day that we get the best interest rates on a car loan or it's not the best sales on an appliance or a new couch that we need, that Memorial Day was set aside to honor, remember, and mourn those who have given their life. So before we pray, let's, let's have a moment of silence to those who understand that freedom isn't free. Lord, thank you for this nation. Uh, Father, thank you for the, the men and women that were willing to stand up and say that we are willing, willing to give our lives so that we had the freedom for people to come into church and have freedom and other things and, and speak our mind and, and live the life that we want to. Uh, Father, I ask you to bless those families who have lost loved ones in the service of this, this country. Uh, Father, I ask you to take this time that we have. Uh, allow us to glorify you and lift you up. Uh, Father, we love you. Thank you for letting us know you. Thank you for this building, these people, this community. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Hey, well, good morning, family. Um, I'm glad you're here. 
great day to celebrate. Uh, sometime during the service, you take a moment where you fill out your connection card. Hey, if you're online, the same thing goes. We're glad you, you clicked. We're glad you're here with us. Uh, otherwise, we came to praise God. Let's do it. Jesus for the cleansing power. Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in His graces now? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are you are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Lay aside the garments that are stained with sin and be washed in the blood of the Lamb. There's a fountain flowing for the soul unclean. Oh, be washed in the blood of the Question. Good question. Think about his love. Think about his goodness. Think about his grace that's brought us through.
Well, good morning. Hey, if you've been with us, we've been in, in uh, Ephesians, and we're going to be in there today. Will you go one slide up, and you'll see our, our passage. There it is. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to do a little bit of reading today, but we're not going to double and go over it over and over and over, so don't worry about that. So we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 3. I'll give everyone a second to get there. I hear pages turning still. I'll wait. I think church is the only place I have patience. Everywhere else is now, now, now. Here I'm like, oh, we'll wait, we'll wait. You got to get to your right page. All right. Ephesians chapter 3. Patience is gone. Let's read verse 1 through 6 together. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit." This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers in the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I, if, you've got a, a, if you've got little paraphrases in your Bible, it, it's, it's paraphrased in this, this whole chapter as the mystery of the gospel revealed. And I don't know if I really, I, I don't think I find that very fitting. Uh, I'm sure someone smarter has come up with that, that term. Um, I really believe this is, this is written talking to a specific group. And we, we know that it was written to the church in Ephesus. And so this idea of this new group is, is really strong here. And I really, really like Paul's choice of words here. If we look at his choice of words here, it, it gives us this idea that he wants to show value to the Gentiles. Those words, for this reason, I, I like these words right here, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles. I don't, I don't know why that makes me kind of, it kind of makes me smirk because I, I could almost see Paul's face when he's writing this letter. He's saying, I'm in jail because of you. And he's saying it with a smile and, and it sounds very parenty to me. You know, this is something I would, I would look at my kids and say, my grocery bill has doubled because of you. My car smells like dirty socks because of you. And Paul's saying, I would do it because of you. And that's what a, a parent would say to their child is, is they would say, this is going on and it's because of you. And I like this because I think Paul is not saying, oh, woe is me. He's saying, I'm going to do this gladly because of you. He wants to show value to the, the Gentiles. And I think just this very simple, simple chunk of words and he talks about God's grace and how the mystery was made known to me by revelation as I have written briefly. It says, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. And he's saying other people didn't get the chance to know Jesus yet. And he's saying, you get to know him, and that makes you valuable. And I've been, I've been wrecking with this, this idea in my mind, and, and a very simple question, and if you can think of something, come catch me after, after church. Where do you go, and be honest, where do you go right now that you feel valued? I was, I've been thinking about this a lot, and, and there was an old hotel I used to go to, and you'd go to this hotel, and they would treat you like a king. Uh, they would just roll the carpets out. You want extra pillows? Yes, sir. You want whatever you want? Yes, sir. And then we, we went again recently, and it wasn't that way. Or you'll go to a restaurant, and, and you went to a restaurant before, and, and they'll treat you like you're royalty, and you'll walk in, and everyone just kind of ignores you. Your drink's empty. Your food's cold. They just treat you like you're junk. So be honest here, family. Where do you go that you feel valued now? I, I, have been, I have been really hurting myself thinking, where do I go that I feel valued? Because now I, I feel so recently that, that people are just, we're throwaway culture. Places you used to go and say, I feel like they, they really want me here. I don't feel like that quite so much. I was in a store, and I, I kid you not, we were going to the checkout. 
we had our items on that, that conveyor belt, and the girl did this number to me. Let me give you a better, better picture. Oh, I was so angry. I'm like, you put your finger up so you could send a message to someone after I was waiting, or I'll go into a store for some parts. And the phone rings, and I've been waiting in line. And the phone rings, and they answer it. Say, how can, you, how can I help you? I'm like, no, not how you can help them. How you can help me? I was here before them. And we, we live in this place that, man, it just, it really feels like oftentimes we are not valued. And here's Paul in prison saying, I am in prison because of you. And it's not a bad thing. It's because you're important. I love those words. And I think we need more of it. Because I think we have so many people who are living a life, and rightfully so, and they don't feel valued. No one shows them value. Here's, here's the downside. Is I know, and, and I say this with a, a gentle heart, I, I know that there are sometimes there are churches that struggle here. A lot of times a church will say, okay, our, our only mission is we've got to reach the unbelievers. And that sounds good, right? It, it does. Sounds holy. It sounds spiritual. But if the mission is 100% only reaching outside non-believers, guess what happens to the believers that come in the building? They're not valued. And they know it. They know that their attendance is, is, not, is not important. Their, their opinion, their thoughts, their feelings, their worries, their fears, it doesn't really matter because all that matters is the non-believers. Or then you take that and you flip it 100%. You take a church that says, okay, we're going to take this body of believers that we have, the ones that said, I love Jesus Christ, and we're going to cater to their every need. Everything they need in church, we're going to give it to them. Forget what the outsiders, non-believers need. We don't care about them. And see, if we're not careful, churches oftentimes go in one direction or the other. And if you have a church that only focuses on reaching the lost, you're going to have a church that's really struggling. If you have a church that's only focusing on giving the believers, those that have been here now, what they need, you're going to have a church that really struggles. And honestly, I believe 100% Paul, if he was not careful, would have fallen into this trap. If we read Paul's writings, Paul was almost 100% focused on reaching the Gentiles. The new believers, someone that hadn't heard Jesus, and I believe if Paul was not careful... Paul would have excluded everybody else. But what did Paul do? Paul would come in and make sure once he reached a group, there were people there to cater to him. Why? Because Paul knew where his heart was. And as a, as a body of believers, we need to do the same thing. We need to always make sure that we have, we have both groups, believers and non-believers alike, so that they know, like Paul, they are valued. We've got, to, as a church, we have got to show both believers and non-believers that they are valuable people. I had a friend way back in the day, he used to do prison ministry, and he used to always ask me to come do prison ministry with him, and I really wanted to. I mean, honestly, I did, but part of me was always worried if I went into the prison, they would realize I had done something illegal and kept me. And so I just, I couldn't muster up the strength to go, and I was just a big chicken. I, I understand, but... And one time, someone was giving this individual a hard time about how much time he would spend in the prison. And they said, none of those people have come to this church since you've been there. None of them. He said, yes, I know. In fact, a lot of the people that he was visiting in that prison, would, when they were released, they would go way, way away. because they were, you know how it is. They, they ship in different people for different, different jails. It's, it's fine. He said, I know. They just need someone to be there. So he would go in. He'd play cards with some. He would read scripture with some. He would talk to a few others. A few other people, he would bring snacks in. His favorites, they would get snacks. But he was simply going there, not to, to build the church up, but because simply he, he looked at a group of people that felt like they weren't valued, and he wanted to show them they, was, they were valued. So here's the question for us today before we move back into the scripture. How do you, how do you show someone they are valuable to you? And I can't answer this question for you. I can answer this question for me, but I can't answer this question for you. So how do you show people they are valuable? We know how Paul did. Paul said, you're so important for me, I'm gonna go to jail. I'm gonna do what it takes to reach you. I'm gonna do what it takes to preach to you. And I'm here because of you. We know what Paul was willing to do. We know how Paul showed people they're valuable. How do you show people they're valuable? 
And really, there's, there's so many. We, we have some good listeners. Some people are just outstanding listeners. It shows people they, they are valued. We have others that have empathy. We have others that just have a, a plethora of extra time, and they're, and they're good at spending time with people. Uh, we have some people that are very handy, and they show people they're valuable not by their, their words, but by their actions. So, so what is your gift to show people that they are valued? I can tell you, I know sometimes we get really good at showing people they are not valued. Sometimes we're really good at showing people they are not important and they don't matter and that we matter more. So when we go into this passage and these, these very, very few words here from Paul, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, remember those words when we read it later. Paul was very clearly saying, you Gentiles are important to me. You Gentiles, you're important to me. All right, let's read a little bit more this time. Of this gospel, I was made, a, I'm sorry, that's verse seven. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, Though I am the very least of all of the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him so I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you which is your glory you know we, we look at this passage and it sounds it sounds like he's just simply talking about how now the, the Gentiles are, are knowing Jesus right He's saying, hey, I get to preach to you um, that this, this Jesus Christ fellow that everyone's talking about, this is simply God's plan coming, coming to, to fold. This is what he talked about in the Old Testament. But really what he's saying, and he's, he's hidden it throughout this passage. <clears throat> Let me go back. It says to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages. See, he, he throws in these little, these little barbs in there. And what he's talking about is an equality in Christ. And I, I wonder, I, 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 feel really, I feel really, sometimes, not always, sometimes, sometimes I feel bad for the Jewish people because I know we've said it a million times and we'll say it a million times again. We know that the Jewish people, God's chosen people, they were used to being God's favorite. They were the ones delivered out of Egypt. They were the ones that the waters parted. They were the ones that David came. They were the ones that Messiah was gonna come for and save. They were used to being the favorite. And all, all of a sudden, this, this Jesus Christ fellow comes in and he's eating with sinners. He's eating with tax collectors. He's talking to people that were not Jewish. And then his disciples had the nerve to to go and preach to these people and actually tell them they're important. I feel really bad. It's, it's kind of like, to me, it's like, it's like an only child. You get an only child, they get the, the most awesome birthdays, biggest birthday presents. They get to go on the, the best trips. When they come home from school, the parent wants to know how their day's going, not how anyone else's day is going. Their sports, their activities, their graduation, always number one. And then all of a sudden, those parents go out and have a second kid. And it messes up everything, isn't it? The kid goes, hey, we had it really good here. What are you doing? It was perfect. And they look at that baby and say, I don't like that baby. Not because they don't like the baby, because they don't like not being the favorite. And I, I feel kind of bad sometimes for the Jewish people here because they were God's favorite. And now all of a sudden, Jesus is coming saying, everyone's worthwhile in, in God. And he's saying, hey, you were God's favorite, but it was never the intention to exclude everybody. It was always the intention to have people love God. And I'm gonna make sure that happens. And I always feel like sometimes the Jewish were that pouting kid saying, I don't want the new baby. See, this is an equality in Christ. That's what Paul's talking about right here when he points out these very, very few, very few words when he's talking about the grace and the mysteries of God and people preaching, and he says there's preaching for everyone. 
what he's, what he's doing is it's very subtly saying there's equality. And we, we talk a lot about equality now. It, it seems like we're inundated by equality. And, and I've been wrestling with this idea because this is, this is a, a touchy subject. You know, we say we want equality, but I don't feel like there is equality. It, it doesn't seem like it. Now, we want to say it there is, but it, it doesn't. We, we can look at just any, any news headline, and for instance... It seems to me that recently my news feed has been filled with, with a certain gender of criminal and they're getting these lesser sentences than the opposite gender. And I look at that and say, that's not really fair. It seems like, like one gender's, when they go up for trial for the same crime as the other gender, one gender gets harder sentences and one gender doesn't or you see this this really gets me it seems like sometimes when people have a very large bank account the punishments they receive for certain crimes is quite a bit less than the punishment for someone else doing the same crime that couldn't afford the high dollar lawyer and i go oh that's really that's really a tough one for me to swallow and so we talk about this idea of equality but you know sometimes we're not treated the same I promise you right now, when I was, when I was younger, I, I went to a, a dealership because I wanted a Porsche, and they had a special deal on this Porsche, and I could afford the Porsche. It was on a special lease. I'm so thankful I didn't buy that junk car. And when I walked into the dealership, I gave me my work clothes, and my work clothes was from unloading a semi-truck, and I was filthy, and they wouldn't let me drive the car. They wanted me to purchase the vehicle and drive it after I purchased it. And I thought, this is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard of in my entire life. I am not going to buy a car that you will not let me drive. And so I took my stuff, and I went and I played it in the other dealership. Why? Because this equality we talk about, we say these kind of things. But I, I don't know if we really struggle with that. I found a news headline, and I've saved it. And I knew one day, I knew God would take the opportunity for me to, to find some use for this, because it's one of my favorite articles. There was a Swedish study done and it has come to find out that during COVID, attractive students are getting worse grades than they used to. And I looked at that and I thought, you know what that's saying? And it, it dove into the article more and it was pointing out that attractive female students were getting higher grades in certain classes before COVID. And when COVID hit and they went to remote learning where the professor could not see how attractive they were, their grades went down. And I thought, oh, this is incredible. And then I thought to myself, I did really poorly in school. Does that mean the teachers thought I was ugly? <laughs> and I looked at that and it made me so happy because we talk about this equality and there is, there is a solid, there is solid numbers saying attractive students were getting better grades because of their attraction. Why? Because we talk about equality, but it's really hard to actually do it. We look at people, we're judgmental, we make rash decisions. Uh, we look at the way they speak, the way they move, the way they interact. We look at their kids. We look at their family. We look at what they're wearing. We look at what they're driving. We look at the cell phone they hold. They hand. We do all of this, and we make these quick, rash decisions. And so when we talk about equality, here's, here's a kicker. I believe the only real 100% equality, real equality is only found in Christ Jesus. Why? Because in equality, we're all equal. In Jesus Christ, we are all sinners, and we accept Jesus, we're all forgiven. That is the only real equality we can ever possibly find. All are sinners, all can be saved. All are sinners, all can be forgiven. So when Paul is talking to these Gentiles, he's saying the mystery of Christ is for everyone, it's absolutely right. He's saying we are all equal. We're all equal. We're all loved by Jesus Christ. That's real equality. And this is important this idea of equality is, is really important. About once a year at this church, most of you know, not all of Second Service will know, that we have this, this pastor appreciation dinner. And we come together, we have a little banquet, and, and it's, it's the only Sunday I ever get in the front of the line to eat. And I make a joke, oh, I get all the pie. Really, I'm embarrassed. Because I'm always afraid someone's going to be like, he thinks he's better than me by getting in front of the line. no. Because there are people in churches who believe they are more important than someone else based on how much they give or based on who they are or just based on their arrogance. I saw a family one time, they had a million children and they wanted 
the entire youth department to change all of the schedule to accommodate their children. The entire thing. Because the, the current schedule that was in place for years wouldn't work with their kids. And when you asked them about it, if you would actually poke into them, they would say, well, we bring the most kids. And they meant it. And we have people that come to church and sometimes they believe they are more important than someone else. If that is you, which I hope it's not, you're wrong. You're wrong. You are not more important than anyone else. I am not more important than anyone else. There is no one more important, really, besides Jesus Christ. He's the only, the only important person. No one else should ever have an idea where they are more important based on their situation in life or what they contribute or who they are or what they wear or what they drive. See, real equality is only found in Jesus Christ. All right, let's read one more time and we'll be finished up. We're going to start in verse, I can't read that number, it's tiny. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit and your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height of the depth? And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Now to whom is able to do far more abundantly than all, than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in uh, Jesus Christ throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. You know, it brings us to the last thing and... and this is, this is very simply, this is just a prayer for the new believers. And really, what, what can be said about this? You know, what, what can we really say? So, so Paul is writing to the Ephesians, and, and what he's simply doing is saying, I'm praying for you new believers, that you have strength, that you have the perseverance, that you understand that through you, Christ can do incredible things. Really, what do, what do we have to, to look at this for? I'm being honest. If I'm being honest, family, most churches I have been to in my, can't say how old I am, most churches I have been to, I, I don't see a prayer like this. Let me, let me tell you what I, what I see mostly, and, and believe me when I say this is not judgment. I believe oftentimes in this life we get, we get overwhelmed with what we see and what we're experiencing so our, our prayer reflects what we see. We, we pray for the hurt. Uh, we pray for our hurt, our neighbor's hurt. We pray for the pain. Uh, we pray for our pain. We, pain. we pray for our neighbor's pain. Uh, we, we pray for our struggles. Uh, we pray for the, the struggles around us. Uh, we, we pray for our, our marriages. We pray for our jobs. Uh, we pray for our, our little community we have here. And sometimes, if we're not careful, I, I think we forget to pray for the new believers. And it's not saying that the things we pray about is, is insignificant. No, don't, don't get me wrong. Jesus said you bring everything to God with, with prayerful petitions. So I believe we should pray for that. I believe when you are hurt, you're sick, you're struggling, you're stressed, I believe 100% those prayers should be brought before Jesus Christ. I also believe that you should share some of your concerns with your fellow believers so they can lift you up in prayer also. I believe that. But I also believe that if we're not careful... Sometimes we get too wrapped up in the me, 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 or the us, us, us. We forget to pray with the same prayer that, that Paul is praying here. Paul is simply praying for all these new believers, all this, this body of people that are now saying, I'm going to love Jesus. And I think Paul sees something that we know, but sometimes we forget. New believers are at serious risk. New believers are at risk of falling back unbelievers are at risk and that's what that's what paul is praying for so i i believe that that when we look at this this writing in ephesians 
Paul is, is reminding us as a mature body of believers, hey, don't give up praying for the believers and the new believers and the new community that's being reached. That's why part of our, our prayer request here on this, this missions, we should be praying actively for the missions group that are outreaching other people. They're reaching the non-believers. They're reaching people that haven't heard about Jesus. And we need to be constantly praying, not just for the missionaries that are doing this work, but we should be praying for the missionaries and who they're trying to reach. We shouldn't be saying, hey, you know, we're, we're praying for TCM. Please bless the students. We should be playing, oh, okay, so here's the, the students that are coming to learn how to reach their communities better. Let's pray for those communities too. And that's what Paul's doing. It's, it's very simple. It's very straightforward. There's, it's not much to be said, but sometimes we, we forget. Sometimes we forget that there is a whole world outside of us, and they are struggling, they are hurting, and even worse than all those physical things there are a lot of people that don't know jesus there are large areas of the world that still need to hear about jesus in their own tongue and their own mannerisms and their own way of living and so paul is just simply reminding us right here we need to pray for spiritual strength for the people we need to be praying for our issues definitely we need to be praying for our community issues definitely we need to be praying for those who are going out trying to reach the lost we also need to be praying about the people that they are trying to reach. See, Paul is, I, I get really kind of cranky about Paul sometimes, and I, I won't go into all the, my issues with Paul. But Paul oftentimes has these moments that just says, we overlook it. And this letter to the Ephesians is a, is a letter to the church saying, hey, these are important things, and, and this prayer is, is important things. And he's saying, hey, don't, don't give up. Keep that strength. Keep going. It says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power of work within us. And Paul's saying, he's saying that these people that sometimes we think are unreachable, or he's saying these people that we sometimes think they'll never come to Jesus, he's saying God is able to do far more than we can even possibly think. And that's what Paul's doing very, very gently here is reminding his believers to continue to pray. Continue reaching out, continue trying, continue asking for strength. This is a very unusual, very unusual letter, the way he, he flips back and forth. It's almost like he had ADHD, and he was just letting his mind kind of run a little bit, and he was dealing with situation after situation. He was addressing one, changing, addressing another, and he was writing because there was so much on his heart. And you guys know how this is. Isn't it easier to talk face-to-face -face than it is write a letter? Oh, man. And I can imagine Paul sitting here saying, I've got so much to say, I've got so much to say, but I can only write so much, I can't, I can't write a 38-page letter. I've, I've, got to, I've got to focus on what's really important. And I, I love the way Paul does this kind of things. But you could see in his writings and in his heart and in his, his mannerisms, he loved this church. He loved the people, and he knew they were valuable and important. So we can't ever overlook that. As our uh, praise team comes and leads us in a song of decision, if you have not uh, made a decision in Jesus, I, I believe today is the day. If you're watching online, I'm going to tell you right now that even if you haven't made a decision, you are valuable to Christ Jesus. You are valuable to First Christian Church. We want you. Hey, if you want to make a choice, come on down. We'll welcome you with open arms. Or if you want some prayers, hey, come on down. We'll, we'll pray with you. Hey, if you're online watching and you want prayers, put that on your connection card. Uh, we do pray about them. We look at them. We pray about them during the week. If it's confidential, please mark it. If you're a baptized believer, you love First Christian Church as much as us and we're part of our family, hey, come on down. We'll welcome you with open arms. Let's stand as we get ready to sing. Try. 
trumpet sounding, and out his face I see. Oh, the King is coming, the King is coming, praise God, he's coming for me. Happy faces lined the hallways, those whose lives have been redeemed, broken homes that he has mended. Those from prison he has freed, little children and the aged, hand in hand stand all aglow, who were crippled, broken, ruined, clad in garments white as snow. Oh, the King is coming, the King. sounding and now his face I see oh the king is coming the king is coming praise God he's coming for me I can hear the chariots rumble I can see marching throng, the flurry of God's trumpets, smell the end of sin and wrong. Regal robes are now unfolding, heaven's grand stands all in place. Heaven's choir is now assembled, start to sing amazing grace. Oh, the King is coming, the King is coming. I just heard the trumpet sounding, and now his face I see. Oh, the King is coming, the King is coming. Praise God, he's coming. So glad to be with all my brothers and sisters. 
But I'm always glad to be with you every day. Okay. I thank Brother Jerry. Your message was inspiring. I liked it. Okay. One of the good things is, is when we're in church, when we're home, when we're at the store, no matter where we are, we talk often to the Lord, but more often to the people in wherever we are. Now, let's think about that. One of the big things in talking, both about love, nastiness, and all of the things that come out of our mouth, is being truly sincere in what we are saying. When we pray to God, we must be sincere. When we talk to others, we should be sincere. So today, when you talk to the Lord in your communion meditation, assure that you're reviewing in a heartfully, sincere thought and express sincere understanding. So, where do I go find that? One of the best, I think, scriptures to express this is in Titus chapter 2, verse 7, because it tells me how to behave. So let's take a look at Titus chapter 2, verse 7. And it goes, I'm reading to you from the NIV version. To everything, set them an example by doing what is good. Is your teaching show integrity, seriousness, soundness of speech that cannot be condemned so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing to say bad about us. If we can express in the way that Paul guided Titus to do what is good, then we are being Christians. Let us pray. Dearest Father, accept us as you do always, but we look forward to you hearing our sincere hearts as we go toward the communion meditation. Bring us closer to you. Endorse the love from us so it spews out and goes about all in our actions this week, the next week, and always. We ask that this prayer be accepted and pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.
If you have your bulletin, you'll, you can see our, our list of activities and things coming up this week. Uh, something to note, though, today at 1220 in Annex, um, they are having a men's ministry team meeting. If you want to be part of that, uh, show up, 1220, over there. Uh, otherwise, uh, the usual things, we're not here on Monday, so if you call the church, we're not going to be here. But there will be stitches of love if you want to come and, and do your sewing. Um, normal things, Bible studies on Wednesday, Thursdays, uh, life group, Al's going on Saturday. Don't forget, it's uh, the pancake breakfast. It's from 7 to 10. Um, all sorts of, of other things, too. June, Operation Christmas Child, scissors, crayons, pencils, sharpeners, erasers, tablets, pencils, colored pencils. Uh, it's there. Other, other things. If you go in the back of your, your bulletin, you'll see a list of our praises and prayer concerns. There's a little thank you note there from, from Boise. You can read that if you like. Um, of course, some of the special concerns, keep uh, the Frank family in your prayers. Uh, Kate has, has passed away this week, so, so prayers for that family. And of course, some of our, our health concerns, a few of our health concerns, individuals have been here, so we'll keep praying for them. And, and always, we always pray for, pray for our deployed troops, uh, especially, especially during the, the times when they know that they're, everyone's at home and, and hanging out and celebrating life and, and just getting a time to, to spend as a family, as a nation, off. It's hard to uh, keep our, our shut-ins of your prayers and of course, the outreaches, uh, the service to local schools, uh, they could always use our prayers. Uh, Boise Bible College and, and things like that. So what we'll, what we'll do is we'll stand. Uh, we'll have a, a few moments of, of just some quiet prayer. Uh, and then I'll, I'll close in prayer. God, thank you for this body of believers. Uh, Father, thank you for the, the words that we have to, to know you better and to, to see your heart. Uh, Lord, I, I pray, will you, will you help this nation that we could always uh, take time to uh, celebrate, honor, and, and remember those who have given their life. Father, I ask you that we, we never take that for granted and we understand that the sacrifice that they made is for our freedom and it wasn't free and it was, it was difficult. Father, I ask you to help us as a, as a body of believers in a country to lift up those who are willing to serve. Uh, Father, I'm thankful that you love us. Thank you for, for caring about our pains, our ups and downs, our worries, our struggles. Lord, I ask you to, to, to soothe the families that have lost loved ones. Lord, I ask you if it's your will for those who are struggling physically, will you provide healing? If it's not your will, will you allow us to uh, lean on you in our times of pain? Father, I ask you to bless the troops, uh, those who are especially stationed away from their family. Father, for our members who can't make it, I ask you to uh, help them feel part of our family even though they're not with us at this moment. Father, I ask you to help us bless these schools, allow us to be a partner with them, uh, allow us to assist them when we can. And Father, thank you for places like Boise Bible College that wants to educate people who will go to the world and, and preach you. Thank you for everything. Jesus, I pray. Amen. Of the 
Thank you for joining us for church this morning. Have a wonderful weekend, everybody, and have a great week in the Lord.